Friends, uh, welcome to season two, episode seven of the Nature Therapy Online Podcast. Uh, my name is Stephen McCabe, and I'm an ecotherapy practitioner living in Midlothian in Scotland. And my podcast is all about ecotherapy, so connecting to nature for the well-being of ourselves and also for the well-being of the planet. Um, ecotherapy is for all of us, and I believe that. People who take care of themselves by connecting with nature um, very often want to take care of nature in return. It, it's all about that connection. Um, so, so that's what this podcast is all about. Obviously, a lot of you have been listening regularly, so you know all about what's ha going to happen, uh, what the theme is here. So um, if you're new, then welcome and thanks for tuning in. And if you are listening at the time that this podcast is going out, then Happy New Year. Um, at least in Europe and, uh, and, and the West, it's a, it, it's a new year, 1st of January. It may not be in other parts of the world, um, but welcome and I hope that you enjoy this podcast and um, I'm a little bit a little bit stuck for words today I had my uh, booster my COVID booster a few days ago so I can feel that I'm already losing my track here and by the fact I've said a few days ago says everything really because it was actually just yesterday <laughs> so I'm feeling okay I'm, I'm feeling all right actually the first with my first and second jabs I was really sick but actually I'm just a little bit under the weather with this one um, so uh, I, I feel like I need to give you this disclaimer now because I'm probably going to be losing my track and losing my thread quite a few times so I want you to to cut me some slack in this episode folks and me as I say generally feeling okay just a little bit a, a little bit ropey like I've got a little bit of a of a strange flu and a and a weird floaty headache. So um so yeah, so happy happy new year if you're listening at the start of 2022 when this episode goes out. And if you're listening far into the future retrospectively then 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 have a happy day whatever whatever you do and I hope it is. And um this episode is going to be about birds and about rocks. Now I always feel like I have to um put away my Liverpool accent when I'm saying birds to people so you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the little the, the little wee creatures with beaks that fly. Um, if I was uh, a, 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 a posher, more southern English person, I would say birds. And um, you would probably understand me more. But I feel like I need to clarify that because sometimes people think I'm talking about grizzly bears with my accent. And it can get very confusing if you think I'm talking about flying grizzly bears. So we're talking about birds and we're talking about rocks. And there's no particular reason why these two themes feel um, relevant to this time or this year, other than that's where my that's where my head's at at the moment, and I've, I've, I feel like um, I feel like share, sharing some some thoughts around both and some some ways of of connecting. So so first of all, I want to 
tell you about about my special rock I have here with me. So um, perhaps if you're at home at the moment and you are not up to very much and you're, you know, awake and you're not lying in bed in the darkness or whatever and you've got a rock nearby or maybe you're outside listening to this outside and you can look around and find a rock. Um, maybe you'd like to, to, to take it over to wherever you are. Um, if not, don't worry, you can, you can visualise a rock and you can maybe then come back to this episode later when you have one as well and listen again but um but but you can use your imagination so th this rock i've got here um it's quite a special rock to me um i've probably mentioned on a lot of previous episodes that i have a a, 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 a lovely connect collection i should say of rocks and crystals and um, it's something that i've stopped doing i i found that i was getting quite greedy and I found that I was getting a bit of a, a, a collector's sort of uh, attitude towards having these solid pieces of earth beautiful as they are and and and, and I, I definitely feel energy from these things um, but I suppose for me personally I, I, I'm also a, a, a practicing Buddhist and I I'm sometimes wary when I feel myself almost kind of grasping at things and, and you know, feeling like I, I, I need more of something or I, I, I need to be grasping at particular experiences. So what I started to do recently was to pay more attention to to the rocks that are everywhere, you know, and, and to appreciate the, 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 the uniqueness of, 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 of all of this rock around us on this globe that we stand on we, you know we've been nothing without it and you know to be anywhere and, and to to pick up this solid matter that has its own unique shape and is not repeated anywhere else in the world and you know it could be millions of years old it's just like all ecotherapy it's just mind-blowing and this particular rock i have here is from the isle of barra which is in the um, Western Isles of Scotland. So it, it, it's, um, it, it, it's northwest. If you take a ferry out from mainland Scotland, it takes about five hours. And I went there with my partner about 18 months ago. And um, oh, it was ju it's just a beautiful place. We were greeted by dolphins on the way in. The, the beaches are... I mean, the, the most beautiful beach that I've ever been on, um, maybe not what you think of when you think of Scotland, um, but it, 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 the, the beaches are just stunning. White sands, uh, blue, clear water, you know, um, but with the, you know, the, 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 the deep green Scottish hills all around. So I'm sure I did tell you a wee bit about my trip after I got back on an earlier episode. Um, I don't know, I lose track a little bit of, of what I've told you and what I haven't. So I don't want to go too much into, into that. Um, but it was a it's a beautiful place. But the, the point is this rock I have here was um, a piece of rock that I picked up. It's, it's pretty big. It's bigger than my hand. It's, uh, I think, some kind of some kind of granite. Um, I don't know too much about rocks, to be honest, the, the, the science behind them, but I found it just in the water, in the sea. It was a really hot summer day, and I decided that I was not going to 
look for quote unquote souvenirs anymore and that actually you know I was going to take a piece of this lamb back with me and 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 then when I I die in the future as we all do um you know the rock is is still there it's still a part of the earth you know it it, it it's not a piece of plastic that I've picked up with a you know the, the name of the place on and so it was like a little souvenir but there's something about this particular rock it looks almost like it has a face in it um, I definitely see an eye in this rock and there's just something so grounding and, and cooling about holding on to it and, and feeling its weight. And I discovered when I got back from the Isle of Barra that um, my, my surname McCabe comes from this tiny island um, and it really is a really small island tiny population you know uh I, I don't know a thousand people i i, I don't know uh, um sorry if you're in the isle of barra and i'm grossly uh, getting the population size wrong but but i found out afterwards you know that i have this ancestral connection to this island it's where my surname actually came from i always knew that it was scottish rather than irish even though there's there's often close links with muck surnames um so I feel like there's something even more special with this rock for me. When I'm sitting with it, it, it feels like a, you know, a piece of the land where my ancestry is, has, has developed and a piece of the land where my ancestors were long before they then moved down to Ireland and then went across probably from, or not, not necessarily, but, but very possibly from Ireland to Liverpool where I'm from, which has a huge Irish immigration. Um, from the potato famines but that's enough of the um, I guess the history lesson there <laughs> but if you do have a rock with you or even if you don't I want you to just take a few moments um, a few moments to connect with the solidity of, of a rock and if you have one with you you can hold it in your hands if you don't wherever you are with your you know even just cooking the food or or lying down at night in bed whatever you're doing you can visualize visualize a rock and you know it's, it's, perhaps it's one that you've um, you have a memory of be large or small it doesn't matter but visualize yourself holding a rock and imagine what it looks like now whether you're holding one or you're visualizing one i want you to just run your thumbs over it get to know the texture what's the temperature like of the rock how does it feel when you rub it if you turn it around in different directions what different shapes does it reveal to you how does it how does it look on its side how does it look from the top what is the top what's the bottom what feels like the top or bottom to you can you see any little grooves in there? Any little colours that stand out to you? How heavy does it feel? And even if you're using your imagination, go with it and explore. And just take some time to 
to really focus on it. Perhaps you can even pick it up and rub it against your cheek. See how it feels against your cheek. And just notice the weight of it. You might notice that it's becoming warmer and starting to merge with your temperature. Almost like you and the, the rock are becoming part of each other. And just put all your focus on it for a moment and just feel that, that, that heaviness, that the way that it connects us physically and can give us a very physical grounded sensation. You might want to also reflect on this particular rock. Does it have any significance for you? Does it have any story? Where did you find it? And if you're visualizing it, where, where, where might it have come from? Where might this rock live? Does it have significance for you? In the way that my rock from the Isle of Barra has significance. How does it connect with you, with your life? Just going to leave you for for a minute or so you can just connect with the rock you can put it down near you if you want to or keep hold of it whatever feels right but just keep it near you and see if you can pick up a sense of any kind of energy from it and sit quietly with that energy and let it speak to you i'll leave you with that for a minute or so What do you feel? What images come to mind? If it had a message for you, what would that message be? Okay, folks, I'm going to slowly wrap up this section here. So hopefully that felt like a positive connection with you. And you can remember to, to do this at any time. I find that rocks really do, really do ground us, you know. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, you know. They're from the earth, they're from the ground. And in a very literal sense, they can, they can weigh us give us some weight that helps us feel physically more connected to the earth and, and, and do come back to this. I think connection to, to rocks and stones is something that we, we can easily 
neglect or or overlook in terms of things that seem more um, sentient or, or more alive, even in terms of plants and trees. But, um, you know, some people believe that, that, that everything is alive and everything has its own energy. And whether you do or whether you don't, you know, the, the life on this earth has shaped, shaped the rocks around us and they're very much shaped by life in that respect even if you don't believe they have a life of their own and and now now folks i'm going to um, yeah, wrap up there and move on to to something else i want to share with you so um i recently was recommended uh an album by a, a, a listener to the podcast. So Eric Witt, if you're listening, thank you very much for this suggestion. So uh, regular listeners will remember that I did an episode on nature and music not so long ago. And it was a very funny piece of synchronicity because uh, the day that I recorded that episode and, uh, and you know set the schedule for it to go out, I received an email from Eric suggesting that I do an episode on nature and music and I was like well this we're clearly thinking along the same lines here because that's exactly what I've just done and the episode's about to go out and um, it, in a way it was a shame that uh, I, I my timing was was uh, not quite syncing with Eric there because he suggested um, an incredible artist called Cosmo Sheldrake and uh, obviously it was too late to feature it on that particular podcast but i'm going to play a couple of songs of his in this episode today from his album called wake up calls and uh, cosmo sheldrake is an artist from the uk and this particular album is just the idea is 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 incredible the the execution of it is beautiful. It, it, it's totally unique and, and it's got such a powerful message about nature connection, about what we're doing to the earth. And, um, and actually, I'm going to read you the notes from the back of this album um, because uh, Cosmo himself has uh, told you about the inspiration and can uh, sum it up better than me. So he says... I composed this collection of music over nine years, from 2011 to, two, <clears throat> to 2020, sorry, using recordings of birdsong featured on the red and amber lists of endangered British birds, in brackets with the exception of a robin and a blackbird, which aren't endangered, dash, yet. The album starts at night with a nightjar and a nightingale. The music progresses track by track, through dawn and daytime, round to the evening chorus and back to night with another nightingale and an owl. I hope that this music may serve as a wake-up call to help us become more aware of the glorious polyphonic sound worlds that surround us before many of these voices become, dis become extinct in Britain and to remind us not only to take any of these creatures and the music that they make for granted. just beautiful and i'm going to play you the first track from this album right now and it is called night jar <laughs> Thank you. 
Sure, you'll agree that was just beautiful, and um, and I think the message that Cosmo shares by making this album is is so important. You know, we we take the life around us so much for granted. Um, you know, not not just intellectually and, and and politically, but 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 in our experience as we're out and we're walking from A to B. You know, we we don't stop and pay attention to the the miracles that are around us to the to the bird song that is around us and i've mentioned it before on the podcast but some some people um have uh, proposed that our music as human beings are very are the very way that we developed song and and appreciation of music actually came from our ancestors copying birds you know, obviously we can't prove this, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, maybe birds taught us how to how to sing ourselves, and birds taught us how to play with sounds to to create music. And we take it for granted that there are these just incredible beings just flying around, laying eggs, singing. You know, I'm looking at a couple of crows as we speak flying past. They seem to be going left and right here seem to have changed their minds about where they're going and, and you know this is uh, this is a miracle it's just it's a miracle to be alive amongst all of this and and uh, i just love what 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 cosmo sheldrake has done so if you want to find out more about uh, this this record then you can visit the my website go to nature therapy online forward slash podcast forward slash rocks so that's Nature Therapy Online forward slash podcast forward slash rocks. And I will put a link to Cosmo Sheldrake's Bandcamp page where you can have a listen or, or buy the album if you want to. Um, 
and, uh, and and I hope you do. I hope you do. I think it's a, you know it, it's an incredible album, you know, and a really lovely idea as well. So, um, and, and and Cosmo hasn't paid me to say that, by the way. Although you can, if you're listening, Cosmo Sheldrake, I do take donations. Thank you very much. So I'm going to move back to a stony theme right now, um, back to rocks and, and, and back to stones. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit about a project I've been working on. And, uh, you know, de de again, depending when you're listening to this, if you're listening years in the future, then this book I've written will probably be out and be available already. But I'm um, probably in the, you know, approaching the final stages of creating this this little book that I'm writing. Um, it's not it, it's not a uh, you know, it, it's not it, it's not an epic. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, but it's a book of stories based on the myths and folklore and legends of this area where I live in Scotland called Morfoot. And um, one of the, the, the ways that I found the material for my book is by going through old, they're called the Statistical Accounts of Scotland, these ancient, well, not so ancient, but very old records of local life, of culture, of, of agriculture, of, of everything really, of, of how people lived. And um, they go back many hundreds of years. And uh, not far away from where I live, in this area of Morfoot, um, which is in South Midlothian, and Morfoot is basically a, 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 a small, very rural area of Scotland with four villages and several other tiny hamlets um not many people at all um I've, i'm sure I've, I've i've told you all about it before probably even last month so i won't tell you too much about morefoot <laughs> i'll try not to bore you too much folks but um i found out that there used to be this huge rock okay it's this massive boulder that was on top of one of the local hills and it looked so unnatural to the people who were there in the sense that it doesn't, it, 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 it looked like it couldn't have naturally ended up there without humans placing it there, you know. It, so you've got this huge green hill, um, not a mountain, very much a hill, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, a couple of hundred meters high or something like that. Uh, but on top of this hill, and it's the biggest hill around it, there was just this huge round stone boulder and next to this huge boulder I mean can you imagine how it looked from afar you know you've got this hill this green hill and maybe a little bit of woodlands around but at the top of it you've just got this huge rock and they found next to it they found um, old stone coffins that they believe were there before um, before Christianity, way back into times when people were were practicing earth-based uh, spiritual practices as 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 the main religious uh, approach, and um, yeah, a long time ago, so a thousand more than more than you know, p possibly a few thousand years ago, actually, these stone coffins, 
So they, and I say they, you know, that would be, I guess, archaeologists, historians, whoever they are, you know, it, it, it's something convenient that you say when you don't quite know who you're talking about. But they, <laughs> that would be the people who, who made this um, statistical account record that I was reading, uh, proposed that, the, that this rock was an ancient place of worship. Um, and that's why you could find these very elaborate stone coffins, which um, which will, you know, possibly have been the place where the, the most respected leaders of a community would have been buried. Because to build a stone coffin, you know, 1500 years ago or more, you know, would have taken immense work. And it's not something that everybody, you know, would have been able to to, to, to have the privilege of for a burial, you know. So this rock got my imagination going and it turns out that it was called the fairy stone or the fairy stain um, in, in Scots English, but we can call it the fairy stone for, you know, for the, for, for the sake of not confusing people across the world. But let's say the fairy stone was, uh, was its name. It's what people called it for hundreds of years, even going up to a few hundred years ago. It's gone now. Unfortunately, like many other things, including these stone coffins and, uh, and a lot of other things around. So there was a, a, a burial site of, of, uh, with burial cairns. So cairns are stone monuments um, that were found all over Scotland. And, and beneath all of these stone cairns were, were urns full of burnt human bones, which sounds really grim. Um, but actually, this was how a lot of ancient communities buried their dead you know they burnt the body they took the bones they put the bones in an urn they buried the urn and then they put stones on top they took these natural raw materials from nature and created these simple monuments and uh, this was found not far away this this burial ground if you like where other people were buried they still would likely have been important people in the community um, to have been given uh, you know a, 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 a site with a cairn on top but um, the, it, it does seem that the the there was a very strong perhaps a druid community nearby uh, but we, we can just say earth-based uh, earth-based spiritual community if you like and it just is wonderful you know I mean it, it what, what is you know, a real shame is how all of these sites were cleared away, you know, for agriculture. Um, you know, like, like many things, you know, agriculture took centre stage and, 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 you know, if there was anything in the way of land that sheep and cows could graze, that then they had to go, including the fairy stone itself. And we, um, you know, we, 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 or I should say the, the, they, again, going back to these mythical they people, um, but they su suppose that the fairy stone actually was got there naturally. It, well, it couldn't have been put there by human hands because it was just too huge. There's no way with, you know, back in the days when we didn't have the sort of equipment that could lift boulders, there's no way that human beings, no matter how many, could have put uh, a stone this big. It, could, it was probably the size of a small house you know um, on top of this hill but somehow you know they you know with the technology that that came, that came along uh, over the last few hundred years they did manage to get rid of it they got rid of all these sites but for me to have come across this 
this, the, the, you know, the, the, this way of life that people used to have, which is on my doorstep, a few miles up the road. And to, to know that there was this huge rock where people would, perhaps they would sit and, I don't know, revere it in some way, you know, some form of prayer or meditation, or, or perhaps people made offerings. Um, there was also the, the fact it's called the fairy stone, you know, Scotland has a long history of fairy belief in the wee folk, or the fae, however you want, want to, to call them. And um, it's perhaps, you know, uh, it, it's, it's perhaps the case that this was linked to belief in fairies. Um, fairies being not the Disney type with little wings and wands, you know, the, the fairies of ancient Scottish and Celtic, more generally folklore, were not necessarily sweet. They were like small people who could be good or could be bad and could actually be very malevolent. You didn't want to cross the fairies, you know, um, but they were nature spirits. And I wonder if this rock was a symbol of, of that connection to nature spirits, that connection to other, to the, the life force that sustains us all, a symbol of the miracle of being alive, this huge rock on this hill. Um, and I really wanted to tell you about that. I, I have created a story around this, which I'm not going to share today because I've... Uh, purely for selfish reasons, because I've told it so many times recently that um, I, I need to give it a rest. And I think other storytellers will relate to this when you've kind of hammered a story and really told it a lot. Sometimes you, you, you need to put it away for a while <laughs> to, to let, the, let, let, you know, let, let, let it become a, 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 a refreshing thing to tell it again. Whereas it can, you know, often feel a wee bit stale when you've told something too many times. But, but, but I've, I wanted to just share where it, that story came from with you. And, um, and, yeah, to reflect on, you know, this stone I have in front of me here, which you may have heard me slap there in a little, it's quite a big, heavy stone, um, from the Isle of Barrett up in the Western Isles, down here to the southeast of Scotland where I live. Um, just this this connection with with rock and with the earth beautiful so um if you have any uh, if you have any links about folklore in your area related to rocks or related to stone um please share it with me and i will tell the listeners on the podcast all about it you know i love to to share um what your experiences with nature and, and if you have any snippets any interesting bits of folklore related to rock and stone please do let me know you can email me at stephen with a ph at naturetherapyonline.net um, or you can go to my website at naturetherapyonline.net and you can contact me through there um, now before i go on to play another beautiful song by Cosmo Sheldrake from his album Wake Up Calls. I just want to give a few shout outs. So I want to say hello and thank you to my new patron, uh, Karen, and I'm going to, I hope I'm going to pronounce your surname properly, to Karen Kirikos, or Karen Kirikos. Um, thank you very much for becoming a new patron on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And um, 
uh, and it's 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 just lovely that people people do support the podcast with a wee wee donation each month um and if that's something that you are interested in doing um and, and able to do you can find me on patreon.com forward slash nature therapy online um i have lots of rewards on offer there including having your own personalized podcasts made um so please go along and have a, a wee look and um and there's some something else i want to draw your attention to as well actually before before i forget although having you know mentioned before about my uh, covid booster i'm feeling a wee bit rough um I, I think I'm doing quite well. I don't. I don't seem to have stumbled nearly as much as I thought I was going to. To be honest with you, I've I've had a few sort of brain dead moments where I've just you know stared at the dog who's asleep next to me and thought, well, you know, what, what, come back, Steve, come back, Stephen. Um, but before I do, this is the point I'm trying to make. I want to tell you. Um, uh, about a, a, a really interesting email I got about winter ecotherapy from someone called Des Wilson. So Des Wilson works with um, another ecotherapist or sleep therapist called uh, Sarah Kendrick, and they um, have a project called Relax Rewild. And um, and 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 Des got in touch just to ask about winter ecotherapy in general and if this is um, something that I could make a podcast on. So um, so I said I would share the information that or the, the tips that Des sent to me because I think they, they, they're great, you know. So, um, so Des is a, a, a Reiki therapist and has been doing Reiki healing circles in the woods and they've been drinking cups of, of pine needle tea by candlelight and it, it just sounds absolutely lovely and um uh, other work that they do they lead night walks by torchlight um do meditations and stargazing sessions and uh, leading on to to gratitude and future planning and and it got des thinking about how other ecotherapists are operating and the work that they do to keep people engaged during the winter um and uh, you know this is something that i've done a podcast on uh, previously so if you want to go to my website and look back for the episode called indoor ecotherapy or you will find it on whatever uh, you know whatever uh, podcast app you're you're using to listen to your podcasts um so I, I did quite a lot of stuff about you know what what you can do if you can't get outdoors whether that's because the weather is too extreme or perhaps for disability or other reasons and it's something that comes up quite often um, but I, what I like about um, Des and Sarah's work here is, is is that it's still very much about being outdoors, actually, you know, even though it's darker and even though it's colder, still getting out there anyway. Um, obviously, that isn't always possible for people, but I like the, um, I, I, you know, I really like the idea of that. So, um, so yeah, if you, you know, if you're interested in the work that, that they're doing, you can go on Facebook or into, uh, Instagram and Twitter um, I'm not sure where in the world um, Des and Sarah at Relax Rewild are, are based, but I'm sure connecting with them will be inspiring wherever you are in the world. And perhaps if you're living nearby, um, then you can, uh, you know, f find out more about about uh, connecting with them in person, perhaps. So, so yeah, if you uh, look for, um, yep, Relax Rewild on Facebook, in Instagram. And, and Twitter, then you will be able to find them. Um, but you can also find them on LinkedIn as Des Wilson, D-E-Z Wilson, and Sarah, um, so without the H-S-A-R-A, -A, Kendrick, um, 
yeah and and thanks very much to both of you for sharing that i I love the idea of this um especially the stargazing sessions i mean i mean how beautiful is that and that for me that is one of the one one of the great things about the darker seasons and about winter actually is that getting to see more of the night sky um getting to see more of the moon getting to see more of the stars and um if it is winter wherever you are in the world whatever time you're listening to this podcast and and you struggle with with nature connection in the winter then you know i would say i would suggest taking up a bit more stargazing for sure so so um so now moving on to this second song by cosmo sheldrake that i think i promised you about about 20 minutes ago that i was going to play it's called cuckoo song and again from before it's from the album wake up call so this is cosmo sheldrake and cuckoo song What do you do in April? I open my bill in May. I sing night and day in June. I change my tune in July. Far off, I fly in August away. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It's so gorgeous, and it's the the, the way that he uses the the, the be- sound of birds to 
creates the music itself. He just lets them do what they do and then brings his own beautiful voice uh, to that particular song. Um, I think it's just so lovely. Um, so yeah, if you want to find out about where you can uh, listen to more of that album, go to naturetherapyonline.net forward slash podcast forward slash rocks. Um, and uh, I'll link to it there in the, 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 the wee little blog post that I do for these podcasts on my website so um so to finish this episode i want to bring together the two themes a little bit um so obviously we've been exploring rocks in terms of nature connection today um and i've been playing these gorgeous uh, songs by cosmo sheldrake um that he's used with the sound of, of various bird song of, of endangered birds in Britain. And, um, and I was thinking, or I was reflecting on a way that I could bring these two, uh, you know, the, 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 these two themes together at the end of the episode so that, you know, it, it's not just totally, uh, you know, one minute I'm talking about rocks, the next minute I'm, you know, playing playing songs related to birds, you know, the and the, the, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought, how am I, you know, how, how can I kind of round up this episode nicely with these two themes that, you know, um, uh, you know, haven't necessarily been linked so far in this episode. And and I got this image of the Bass Rock in Scotland. So um, in the east of Scotland, in the southeast, um, not far from a, a, a town, lovely town called North Berwick, a few miles out to sea, there's a little a small island called the Bass Rock. Um, it's it's about, uh, well, actually, it's only about two kilometres offshore, actually, rather than a few miles. And uh, it's it's a volcanic rock. It's uh, it's about, about uh, 350 foot high. I'm reading this off uh, Wikipedia, by the way. I don't I don't have this knowledge stored in my head about the Bass Rock. I'm, I'm, I've learned a lot about it since yesterday, since I realised I wanted to chat about it with you and and, and just end the, the episode with uh, a wee bit about the Bass Rock. Um, but it's got a very it's got a really interesting history used as a as, as a strange prison in the middle of the sea at one point but it's just this 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 dominating rock that you see and, and out I took a boat out there about probably about 10 years ago when I first moved to Scotland and it's uh, it, it's covered in gannets um just the whole rock is just completely covered in gannets and northern gannets um, if you're not familiar with with the bed, uh, with the bed itself, uh, are are seabirds. They're really large, white seabirds. They've got a wingspan of, of I think, a few meters. Um, you often see them out to sea, especially in Scotland. Um, the, there's a lot up in the Shetland Isles, but there's a huge population of them here on the Bass Rock. You know, so these birds you don't see them very much unless you know you're often like quite far out to sea. You know, I mentioned before going to the Isle of Barra up in the Western Isles. Um, uh, about 18 months ago and you, you know as the boat was quite deep in the sea we would see a lot of gannets sort of diving in to you know to to find their fish and um, kind of flying around the boat but but you don't you don't often see so many of them inshore but it's just an incredible sight and an incredible sound that you've got this this huge really hostile looking rock that's just you know poking out of the sea um, and 
oh, this whole colony, this whole population of these huge white, you know, striking looking seabirds just making a right racket on there. And um, it's incredible. And, and it, it just this image came to me. And, and, and I wonder for you, you know, what, what images come to you when you think about birds and you think about rocks. And you might think about birds that spend time on rocks or an experience that you've had where these two uh, beautiful and you know necessary part of, of of nature combined where the rock supports the bird life and you know where the birds you know perhaps shape the the, the rock itself and I, I don't know how much of it is true but with the bass rock um it, 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 it's been a running joke that actually a lot of the bass rock itself is actually just bird poo because they've been on there for so long that they just, you know, the, the amount of poo that they're depositing on there is just making the rock bigger and bigger and bigger as, you know, as the years go by. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know if, they, if, if things actually work like that or if, you know, if, you know, maybe perhaps you can enlighten me on that, folks. Does the poo melt on hot days or, you know, does it really, you know, does it really become part of the rock? Am I just looking at a big bird poo when I look at the bass rock now? I don't know. Answers on a postcard, please. Let me know. Um, tell me all about bird poo if you know about it. I'm, I'm, I'd be very interested in finding out. Um, but um, I'm going to leave you anyway with... Any images you've just had of connections with beds and rocks, but also I'm going to leave you with the sound, this lovely video I found on YouTube of, um, of the gannets on the bass rock. You know, you might want to look them up. They've got uh, these brilliant, deep, uh, black, almost like mascara around their eyes, these big, long, uh, long white beaks and a kind of yellowy shade on the back of their head gorgeous gorgeous beds and um yeah this is the sound of the bass rock i'm going to um leave you with this sound and um yeah if you want to um get in touch with me or or, or find out about online uh, ecotherapy courses you can take with me um please head over to naturetherapyonline.net and i'll see you there and here are the gannets of the Bass Rock in Scotland. Bye bye folks and thanks for tuning in. Visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net